Do something beautiful for God. Do it with your life. Do it every day. Do it in your own way, but do it. Hey, you're listening to the Do Something Beautiful podcast, and I am your host, Leah Darrow. Today, today is a fun day. Today I have an amazing host with me. You are probably familiar with him if you listen to podcasts. If not, then he's brand new to you and you will not be disappointed. Um, his name is Father Michael O'Loughlin. Did I say your name right? That is perfect. I should because he's kind of like my best friend. Anyways, <laughs> um, and so we are here. You might hear in the background. Where, where are we, Father? We're in Roma. 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 We are in Rome, Italy. We are sitting on... Oh, here comes a car. Here we go. This Big is perfect. Truck. It's a massive trouble. <laughs> we have been waiting for the right time to do this podcast, and we wanted to do it outside in a little bistro. I have a glass of red wine. Father has chosen a nice Italian beer. Medium beer. Probably not Italian. It's probably like German or American. Anyway, <laughs> we are sitting outside, uh, and so you're going to hear a little hustle and bustle behind us, but we just thought, why not? Why not bring you to Rome and bring you to the sounds of Rome, which always will include a little sounds of wine glasses Amen. And people walking on the street. Smell of cigarettes. <laughs> today, body odor. <laughs> body odor. Um, so, so today, today's a special day. Today is September 4th. And today is, and there's somebody who's scraping cigarettes to my right. Like, literally, he's using a rake to scrape them out of the cobblestone. And it makes the most beautiful sound. It could put babies to sleep. This is a new theme song for the podcast. This is the, the opener. <laughs> okay, okay. I am two feet from a truck that is that is driving like a turtle next to me. Oh no, I'm sorry. It just stopped. I have the nice exhaust pipe. Am I exaggerating any of this? No, not at all. Like this probably is, Italian cussing you can hear from the guys that are like manning the truck. Okay, it just it just not passed. that we know what it, it is. It just yeah. passed. Okay, so today. Today we're going to talk about something that just happened today, which is the canonization of St. Teresa of Calcutta, otherwise known as Mother Teresa. I don't know if we're ever really going to call her St. Teresa of Calcutta. At least maybe my generation won't. I think my generation of people in their 20s and 30s, maybe 40s, 30s and 40s, will just call her Mother Teresa. And more than likely, she probably would have preferred that over anything. Any saint probably would have preferred just their own name rather than Saint so-and-so. And And actually, Pope Francis, when he calls someone, he calls and he says, this is Father Bergoglio. See? He still uses Father because he likes that better than... Holy Father, or even Pope, which means Father, but which, he but, likes it better. But that would be awkward anyways. Hey, this is Pope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how do you leave a voicemail for somebody yeah. and be like, This is the Pope. Hi, <laughs> so this is, you know, the successor of Peter. Uh, please call me back whenever it's convenient for you. <laughs> I, only, <laughs> I only sit on the throne. Anyways, so today's the canonization of Mother Teresa. We were there. We got to be there witnessing. We got to be um, in St. Peter's Square for the Mass. And so this is huge. I mean, it's huge for people all around the world. If I have to make it really personal for me, which I'm going to because it's my podcast and I can do what I want. <laughs> the name of this podcast is Do Something Beautiful. I named this after Mother Teresa. I named it after her because she's got this beautiful quote. I'm going to read it to you now. It's just fantastic. And the quote that I took the words from of Do Something Beautiful is from this. She says, do something beautiful for God. Do it with your life. Do it every day. Do it in your own way but do it. That is a straight quote from our new Saint 
Teresa of Calcutta. Mm-hmm. I keep stuttering when I say that because I just want to say Mother Teresa, which I, I think I will. But we all know that now she's a saint. And that's why I named the podcast that, to do something beautiful. In my own life and in my conversion, that was so powerful for me. Beauty was the epitome of my life, but it was very external. It was very vain. And so I chased after it by being a model on America's Next Top Model and staying in New York and continuing that fashion life. And it really was at that moment of conversion that I knew God was converting me closer to him. He was pulling me to his heart to his life, to serve others with his love. But that did not mean that I had to let go of beauty. I just had to let go of the distorted beauty that the world promotes and that I was buying into for a decade of my life, and even longer probably, and really accept the beauty of the Lord, that transcendental beauty, that beauty that is something more than just lip gloss and makeup, but is the beauty of the soul. It's the beauty of someone who needs love. And so, yeah, true beauty. And so... That is why I've named the podcast Do Something Beautiful because beauty is not just this quality that is only on your face or your clothing. It should be a verb. It should be an action item. It should be something that you actually do, that you do something beautiful for the Lord. And you do that by being authentic and by being honest and by being compassionate and kind. And that's her whole life, Mother Teresa's whole life. And she's such an inspiration to me as she is to the world. And so in her honor... I've named my podcast really after her life and that's do something beautiful. So that's the whole goal. If you're new to this podcast, which you are new, if you are listening to it, cause it's like one of the first episodes that I have. So this is episode one here of the do something beautiful podcast. And you know, that's what it is. The whole goal is for you to encourage you, to inspire you to do something beautiful for the Lord. Do it with your life, do it in your own way. But as mother Teresa would say, just do it. Right. Absolutely. One thing I love about Mother Teresa, too, is that she she doesn't exude any of those stereotypical worldly ideas of beauty. When you no. look at her when she was younger, she certainly did. I've seen those pictures. But when she was older, there was this, we all thought she was beautiful. We thought she was gorgeous because we knew what she did. Mm-hmm. When I read her autobiography, so many of the people in her early life that, that remember her would say there was really nothing special about her. She was it's amazing. No, yeah. And they would all say that. They said, well, you know, honestly, she was kind of an ordinary nun of Loretto. You know, she loved people, but but they all did, you know, and there, there was something very ordinary about her, but because we know the extraordinary nature of the way she loved and what she desired to do and the way she desired to empty herself completely and sacrifice herself completely, that's what made her beautiful. So we look at the picture and we can't help but tear up. We look at a picture of her and we say, that is so beautiful because of what she did. One thing I've realized about beauty is that when you see something beautiful like her, I actually look at now all religious women differently because of what she did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I look at them and say, could that be another Mother Teresa? Could that be someone who doesn't look extraordinary, isn't necessarily doing anything extraordinary now, but there's that potential in them. And so, like I've, I've said on, on my podcast, Catholics have you should know, you know, there's when sometimes there's times when I will look at one woman and she will be so strikingly beautiful to me that I look at every other woman for the next half an hour completely differently. I'm seeing a beauty in them that I would not have perceived unless I saw that one aspect of the beauty of femininity in one woman. And then I'm able to suddenly see what I could not see earlier or what I was unwilling to see earlier. But you see it in all of them. Now we look at Mother Teresa. I know how beautiful she is. And now we look at other women, especially other religious women, and I can see in them that same beauty that, that in them could be that same heart. It's just unnoticeable at this point, but God knows it. He sees it. So if he's seeing it, I should be seeing it too. Absolutely. And you know, you had mentioned like the world thought she was so beautiful and they yeah. use that word. And-
And one way to kind of like, if you want to put statistics behind it, at the time of, of her life, at the time that she was alive, she was the most photographed woman in the yep. world. In the world. So for me, as a formal fashion model, like the number of pictures you take actually matters. The number okay. of pictures that actually make it to a magazine, to the TV, whatever it is, it matters. Okay. Right. So you want to get those numbers up so that people, you know, want to hire you for the next photo shoot, want you to be on the next campaign for guests or Calvin Klein, whatever it might be. Okay. Most photographed women in the world. Talk about numbers. Talk about being everywhere. I um, mean, she was. She made the cover of Time more than, than more dignitaries yeah. ever will. Every fashion model would be incredibly jealous of how beautiful she was. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and you're thinking, this woman did not look in the mirror and think, I need Botox. You know, and she had a ton of wrinkles, by the way. All right. Beautiful wrinkles. Exactly. Yeah. But they were made out of that beautiful smile. I mean, like, I just think that her whole being, her external being and her internal, her heart and what she did with the love of Christ is amazing, especially considering the fact that she suffered from spiritual dryness for almost 50 years of her life. For the last 50 years of her life, from a little bit after the moment that she got the call within the call of her, her vocation is, is to be a religious sister. And then the call within that vocation was to start at the Missionaries of Charity, as we know it today. That soon after that, that's when she had this spiritual dryness that kind of had like this slow fade into like this nothingness to where she began to doubt, which Again, today at the canonization mass of Mother Teresa, where we are, we're here in Rome, Italy, and we are sitting outside of a little cafe, having some red wine, father's having a beer, and we are just celebrating her life. And one of the things that I love is that while we were there at the mass, and it was just jam-packed, I can't even begin to explain how many people were there. I don't know the numbers yet. I guess we'll find out soon with the news, but um, I'm sure they'll probably tell you like there's like 15 people there, but, um, (laughs) but there's not. So there's a huge picture of Mother Teresa. So on the main doors to St. Peter's, it's covered with a red drape. And then you have the crucifix in the center. It's ginormous, fantastic, love it. And then above that is this massive tapestry of a picture of Mother Teresa honoring, obviously, her canonization, which just happened a few hours ago. Officially, Pope Francis declared her a saint. And so in that picture, what's profound, although most people would just look at it and not think about it, but the background is black. And we were told that it's black because it represents doubters and the darkness of the spiritual life that can happen. And so she is the saint of doubters. She's like the official saint of doubters. So a woman who we know her as, you know, picking up kids in the street and taking care of people so they wouldn't die alone. This woman who is a saint is the saint of doubters. Somebody who would even doubt, is God there? Does he love me? Has he has he forgotten about me? These are the questions that she literally had, that she wrote down in her journal, that she shared with her spiritual director. And here he is, we're celebrating the life of this woman. Yeah. And not only that, but she's the most photographed woman, therefore one of the most beloved women. And if you ask people, why do they love her? It's because she did so much good. The woman who did the most good is also the one who is known and knew she'd be known for doubting God's existence, knew she'd be known for being seemingly in darkness. And so we wonder why when we feel in darkness and we somehow think that that's like a a punishment from God or we whine about it, we complain about it. No, the most beloved woman in the world is the patron of those in darkness. And that's exactly what she said. Yeah. She said in her letters, she said in her, her, her letters to her spiritual director and in her diary, she wondered, is this because I've done something wrong? Is God upset that I didn't do this right? Was I supposed to be here in, in India? Mother Teresa is saying these things. And I think that's why people love her so much. Yes. Because they're like, she's normal. 
Right. I mean, yes, I know she's a religious sister and that might be a little, you know, abnormal for most of us, but she's normal. She was trying so hard to love the Lord. She's trying so hard to love the people in front of her. And yet she did not receive consolation. She did not receive this pat on the back and she did not receive an attaboy from God. Yeah. Nothing. And and she she was doing something, I think, that when we read her story, we say, I could never do that. I could never do that. But her actions were her vocation. What is common to our humanity is that darkness. It is that doubt. It is that is that ability of to, the suffering, which becomes an ability and a potential for sacrifice, right. which is using our suffering as a gift, using it for love. So if we look at her and say, I could never do that. I could never be a saint because I could never go pick up dying people in the gutters. I could never be a saint. I, I couldn't love people that much. I can't sacrifice myself that much. But the reality was that part of her holiness was what she did with her suffering. And we all suffer. Therefore, we all have the opportunity to do something with suffering that is beautiful, to take our suffering and to say, I'm going to turn this into sacrifice by the grace of God, Christ sacrificed. I can use my, I can take suffering, make it a sacrifice for others and make it something that is done out of love. Mother Teresa was very eloquent about that. And that's a gift that we, none of us can deny I can't do that. We've all been given the gift of suffering. All of us have. Right. We might not know dying people in the gutter that we can pick up and carry to our homes, but we all have the gift of suffering. And she was a great manifestation and a witness to that reality of having joy and happiness. I read one chapter of her diary this morning to the pilgrims. We read it out loud. It was beautiful. And the first chapter was all about how she was suffering so much, but she always said, but I'm so happy. It always finished that I'm suffering so much, but I'm so happy. It was beautiful. You know, okay. You said something that made me think about vocations. You said that something to the fact that like her vocation was doing the, doing the work, like being, having that service to another. Yep. Right. Yep. And so often we think that vocation is a feeling, right? It's an emotion right. and I don't feel, you know, and we rely on our emotions to point us to truth alone. And yeah. that's not the job that they were feel given. Like being a I don't feel like being a parent. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't feel like being a mom yeah. sometimes. Yep. <laughs> but that doesn't mean I'm not yep. called to be a mom. Exactly. And every mother, exactly. every parent has that sentiment. And if you're brave enough to say it out loud yeah. into a podcast with your kids, you might hear it a couple years later. <laughs> it's true. I don't want to sometimes be, not like, I, I'm just, I just get tired. I get worn out. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm just stressed and yeah. I'm so tired and there's so much puke on me and yeah. snot. And I just really don't, I, I just want to be clean. I want to go to this vocation for two days. That's all I need more. Just two days <laughs> just not being a parent. two days of not being a mom. <laughs> and God's like saying, I'll make you a saint in two days. Mm-hmm. I'll make you a saint. You know? Exactly. And so that is what Mother Teresa did. She did this amazingly. She did it very simple. She took care of people. She loved people in the name of Jesus. And that's why we think she's so beautiful. We took so many pictures of her. We think she's so beautiful because truly, if we want to recognize it, it's because she loved with the heart of Christ. And she even said, her spiritual director even said this about her life, that and the, the, her spiritual director gave her this advice that, that the Lord is bringing you to this place of loneliness, to this place of doubt, so that you may share in his loneliness and in his own, not not doubt necessarily, but his, his alone, I guess I'm going to try to say that God was, yeah, that, that Mother Teresa was sharing in Christ's part of his passion when he was alone and he was being, you know, obviously tortured in a way. And there was, nobody there all of his followers as a human he felt absolutely abandoned he did and so yeah i guess that's what i really want to use that mother Teresa shared in christ abandonment and she said later she goes if that is what christ is asking me to share in then i'll do it and i'll i will do it gladly for souls and she began to accept 
And I think that, that that's another thing to point out. Like she realized, okay, this is happening for so long. She had this doubt yet with good direction from her spiritual director, she realized, okay, I think Christ is bringing me to a place where I can share with him in my suffering. I can share with him as he suffered and felt abandoned. And yet I will still do the father's will as Christ perfectly did. Mother Teresa was trying to do in her life. And that's what she did. She, she, she had that dedication of, okay, Lord, if this be your will, then let it happen. And she still did the good that she was called to do. We can ask ourselves, could I be in darkness, in a dark night of the soul, and be doubting God's very existence for 50 years and still work as hard as she did? That's the vocation you mentioned earlier. It's not an emotion. It's not something that I wake up every day and say, how do I feel like doing? It's a real commitment based upon the sure feelings. God uses feelings to call us to certain things, but we add our will to that. We add the commitment to it. So that's what held her doing the most amazing work that almost none of us could do. That's what kept her doing it for 50 years after she decided to do it. And that conviction came from her mother. I read this in the first chapter two of her autobiography or the biography written about her. Her mother said, if you're going to go to India, you're going to become a sister Loretto. If you're going to go do that, her mother said, make sure you are truly only doing it for Jesus. Like that is the only reason you're doing it. And she understood very quickly, even with the, like the official name, I, I should have written this down, but the official name for the missionaries of charity and what she desired, the whole point of it was not to serve the poor. That was not the first goal. It was not even to serve the poorest of the poor, which that was not the first goal. The first goal was to allow, to help Christ's sorrow and his seeking of souls by going out to the poorest of the poor. So her ministry was completely directed at Jesus. And the way that she ministered to Jesus, the, men, the way that she dried up his tears, the way that she removed his sorrows was by assuaging his thirst for souls by going to the poorest of the poor. So that was part of her vocation was to mm-hmm. Jesus himself. She was, a, she was a spouse of Jesus as a nun. She desired only to dry up his tears. And she realized that his sorrows and his tears were because he saw the uncared for, unloved, unwanted poorest of the poor. And so in her desire to dry his tears and end his sorrows, she went to them to help them. So her first love and therefore what sustained her in that vocation for those years and being obedient to her mother's wishes was to do it only for Jesus. That's awesome. I mean, I mean what, what, and what do you say after that? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so simple and yet so right. hard. Why, well, <laughs> it's, it's so simple. simple, but we make it hard. <laughs> right, exactly. We make we do. it hard. We do. Th- this, this is ridiculous. I mean, yeah. this is simple stuff. No, okay, so you said something to me about like her, the fact that it was Jesus first, you know, yes. Jesus first. Okay, so I'm going back now to... The canonization. So we're here in Italy. We're in Rome. Right now we're sitting at a cafe. You have not um, told me the story twice now. You've hinted at it and not told me. Is this what you're about to do? I am. Okay. I am about to tell you the story now. <laughs> I have no idea what you're I have say. finished my glass of wine. Father <laughs> is nursing that beer. But that's all right. I won't make fun of him. Okay. So during the canonization, so it's a canonization mass. So we yes. have mass with the Holy Father. Okay. And it's the canonization mass of Mother Teresa. Now, now officially at, at this point, St. Teresa of Calcutta. We can call Amen. her St. Teresa of Calcutta. As I mentioned before, I think we'll still just call her Mother but anyway, so I'm at the canonization. I've got my two-month-old little girl with me, Violet. Okay. And so Violet is with me. I've got my sister, Courtney. i got my sister, Courtney, who's with me as well. And so we're there at the Mass. Now, we weren't up close like you were with the pilgrims. We're on a pilgrimage to um, Rome, and uh, we've taken 20 young women who have taken time out of their life, money out of their bank account, and they are spending this time in Rome with us. 
So we're here for the canonization. We're here at the mass. You take the pilgrims up close. Yep. You got up the crack of dawn. Yep. You stood in line. You waited. My alarm you was elbowed, like 3.50 a.m. Yeah. You <laughs> elbowed nuns out of the way. You made it to the front. In a positive, loving way. <laughs> right. You're like, move it or lose it. Move, move it or lose it, sister. Takes on a whole new meaning in Rome. And so they're up front. You are like on the edge of the pathway where the yep. Pope will walk down, which you ended up, that ended up happening. So you've got great seats for the canonization. Well, actually you were standing, but still you got right. a great view, great moment, great there. Not me. Okay. Not me. I'm all the way back. So I'm outside of the square of St. Peter's and there's a street that goes right down the center. If you're looking at the center yep. of St. Peter's all the way down the center of uh, the square, I am halfway back down that street. It's packed. Jumbotrons are, are broadcasting the entire mass. So I'm still participating, but at a far distance. And I realized as I'm here in Rome at the canonization mass with Mother Teresa that this is completely fitting. For the past three years that I've become a mother, I've always, I'm now in the back of the church. Okay, right. I'm always in the back of the church. <laughs> My kids are screaming. They are not the well-behaved kind. They are just, they're doing everything but being quiet. This is how you know mass is from yes, the back. Yes, <laughs> I know mass from the back. My children are relatively well-behaved until they enter into a Catholic church. And then it's like, oh, wait, this is the moment when we can freak out. Great, perfect. And then they do. This is where our mama wants to be quiet. So no. Yeah. I mean, every and every bodily function is like up on level 10. <laughs> so diaper blowouts, vomit, snot, you name anything that can come out of them comes out of them at that point. And this like 45 minutes to one hour in the U.S. So here, two hour mass, it's just it's not going to happen. And I just thought I'm sitting in like not sitting, but I'm standing in the back, basically, of right. St. Peter's as far as back as you can get. And I'm like, yeah, this seems about right. This seems right for me. I should be in the back of the church. My kids is also going nut in the same 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 way. And I absolutely cannot imagine a better or more perfect way for me to experience a canonization mass with Mother Teresa. It's always in the back with my baby who's freaking out because it's hot and I'm getting her into the AC as soon as possible. And it all worked out just fine. But the moment of the mass that really affected me in this canonization mass with Mother Teresa, and the whole thing's done in Italian. The whole mass is in Italian. There's a few parts where they threw in some other languages to make everybody feel good, you know. Gospel was in Greek, done by a Byzantine deacon. Beautiful. Which is awesome. Because yeah. you're a Byzantine Catholic priest. Yeah. That's right. And then there was like, what, what other languages were there? There was quite a bit of Latin that they, when they chanted the uh, Gregorian text. Right, right. Law chant chant yeah. was in Latin. Uh, but then they had they had a reading in, in what? They had a Bengali, which is the language she ministered in. They had a, uh, one of the petitions was in Bengali, which is beautiful. It was just fantastic. Yeah. So there's all these different languages going on. It's really the church of the world, mm-hmm. right? It's, the, it's just so beautiful. And all this is happening. I'm in the back, way back, as I mentioned. I'm not even in St. Peter's Square. I'm all the way towards the back of the street. And on the Jumbotron, I'm watching our Holy Father, Pope Francis, hold up the host for the consecration. And I became so emotional, more emotional than when they announced, you know, Mother Teresa's yeah. saint. All of that, I was like, well, watching, I was watching Christ in the host yeah. being held by Peter's successor. And I'm like, what? Look at our faith. <laughs> this is amazing. Like, I just, it's unbroken, uninterrupted yeah. over 2,000 years. Yeah. And I am watching the Holy Father hold the host, hold Jesus Christ in the flesh and the host himself. And then, you know, 
give that to the people. I, for me, that was just a moment where I just couldn't believe it. And of course, I, you see the crowds. And, you know, I was just thinking about in the Gospels and in and, and what we read of Jesus with the 5,000 people and how he fed the 5,000 with the, with the loaves of bread and the few fish, right? I'm thinking, wow, Christ is still feeding us. Yep. You know, he is still calling us home. He's still feeding us. And so for me, that was my most moving point of the canonization mass, actually, was, was the Eucharist. Immediately, I recognized that, like, like this is this truly is the most moving part for me. And I was thinking, gosh, should I should I be focusing more on Mother Teresa? And it was like I swear she was in my heart, in my head at the exact moment, and she was like telling me, absolutely not, Jesus first, (laughs) Jesus first. And that is why, and with Mother Teresa, always when they had the crucifix up, they wrote the words, "I thirst underneath Mm -hmm. one of the arms of Christ on the crucifix," because he thirsts for souls. He thirsts not just for the missionaries of charities to go out and work in souls. He thirsted for their soul because yep. as much as God wants to love other people through us, he number one wants to love us. Yep. And I don't know. It was a place where I could just rest in that. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I love mother Teresa. And of course we're here to celebrate her life, but man, Jesus first, yeah. Jesus first. Yeah. And it's hard because you're outside with, over 5,000 people. I mean, he fed us with that many people just gathered in St. Peter's Square and you're outside. So there's all these distractions and it's, it's hard to focus. But I had that almost exact same thought when he held up the host. I thought, this is more important than Mother Teresa. This is more important than Rome. This is more important than the beautiful buildings around us. And here we are trying to like, you know, cover our necks because it's so hot. And, you know, we're just literally shoulder to shoulder with everybody. And it was this great moment of peace. And like almost I was brought out of time like, I'm not just here because there is the Lord that is beyond time. And the same Eucharist that is so much more important than the canonization, more important than where I am. I get to receive that every single Sunday. That's right. You know? Amen. And even more often sometimes like that, the most important thing is the thing given that's given to us the most. You and I will remember this canonization as a once in a lifetime thing. We were at Mother Teresa's canonization. We were there present. But we received the Eucharist much more often than that. The weekly, daily, whatever it is. And that is the end. That's exactly what Mother Teresa would do. Stop thinking about how important the canonization was and focus on how important it is every single time you approach the Eucharist. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so that, that's her scolding and her, <laughs> stop and thinking about me. Absolutely. And, you know, and that's, it's just, that's the beauty of her life. And I think that's what every Christian, regardless of how they practice that, if they're a Catholic they're Protestant, whatever it might be. Right. And obviously even non-Christians, there's something beautiful about keeping your focus on something bigger than yourself, yep. on loving people because of something bigger than yourself. And for Mother Teresa, she said, it's because of Christ. Yeah. That was her foundation. That was her reason. And that was good enough for anybody who needed love or support or help because it came from something honest and true and good which is the perfection of Christ, right? He's all of those things in in perfection. So, I mean, she definitely did something beautiful with her life. You just saw the crowds and you saw these people moved by her life and how she was this example or this, this ticket to unlock something more of their faith and more of, of their relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's perfect. That's exactly what today was about, about one woman sharing her life because of her love of Jesus and bringing people to Jesus. She brought souls to Christ, and then Christ takes care of the rest. And uh, she really did something beautiful with her life. And that's just somebody who I look up to that I try to emulate in ways. And 
I try to remember when somebody is really annoying and, and really just on my nerves that Mother Teresa would still love them. And she just probably wouldn't be all that annoyed. She probably got to a point in her spirituality where she's like, okay. She probably realized how annoying she, she was at times. I'm sure her sisters, you know, like the original MCs. The OG I got really missionaries mad at a saint a few times. Yeah, they say there was a saint, and I got really mad at her a few times because she was really annoying to me. Yeah, can you imagine right. I'm saying that? I knew her personally. I she bet. was human. Yeah, I bet exactly because she's yeah. human and she's not perfect. I mean, yeah. Mother Teresa went to confession every week. Yeah. For the record, you're like, <laughs> what did you say? Even worse, the saint got annoyed with me many times. I'm sure I showed up in her confession quite often. Right. Yeah. right. Can you imagine if you were the person that she was confessing about? <laughs> you're like, oh my gosh, you're in so much trouble. Anyways, so we're here. We're here at the canonization and. Uh, in Rome, Italy. And yeah, you know, I think that, that that quote that she said about do something beautiful life, do something beautiful for God, do it with your life, do it every day, whatever you do, just do it. You know, um, she's like the original Nike slogan. <laughs> Amen. You know, and in fact, do you know where the word Nike comes from? Okay, so this is interesting. And I might be on a tangent right now, but we're going to go ahead and just go for it. Roll with it. So Nike is a word. It's a Greek word. So during like Back then, what they would call the Olympics, whatever, all these uh, games and races. Yeah, athletic competitions. Like, if they won, like, if so sometimes they'd be in different locations all around the country and area and place. So the word Nike comes from this Greek tradition during their athletic competitions, like what we would consider like the Olympics, Mm -hmm. okay, for people all over different countries and areas would come in to compete. And if Greece, I hope I have this right, if Greece won... They would send a runner back to the, I don't know, higher up, the people who run Greece or something like that. I don't know. Whoever was in charge of things back yeah, then. Yeah, whoever was in charge. And they would run, and they would just run with one word, and they would say Nike, and that meant that they won. Yeah. Okay. okay. So Nike's slogan is, just do it. Right. And I just find it ironic that one of Mother Teresa's sayings, of which why the podcast is called Do Something Beautiful, yeah. is the whole the full quote is, do something beautiful for God. Do it with your life. Do it every day, but do it. Yeah. And Nike says, just do it. So I just really think that they should credit Mother Teresa yeah. a lot more <laughs> for that inspiration that they probably got. But anyway, so this is episode one of the Do Something Beautiful podcast. We are here today. We've been speaking with Father Michael. With I'm honored the to be on episode one. That's episode beautiful. one. And your podcast is called? Catholic Stuff You Should Know. All right. So go ahead and go over to iTunes and like mine and don't like his. And <laughs> it's now a competition. <laughs> it's now a competition. <laughs> I'm kidding. You can like it. No, your podcast is the number one Catholic podcast, right? It is. You so the, there's there's some fluctuation. Fluctuation. That's not a word. Um, something like that. Yeah, something like We're going to make you, it up. You know what I mean. We we make up words on this podcast, <laughs> Amen. just so you know. Amen. We're okay with that. We started a tradition that fluctuation with the top ones, but where I think I'm going to I'm gonna go out on a limb and say we're consistently the most popular Catholic podcast. It's awesome. Podcast. And you should listen to them. They're actually really amazing. It's a group of priests who talk about ridiculous nonsense while they drink some whiskey at times yes. and scotch. We drink a lot of whiskey and go back and forth between the profane and the, and the sublime and in a way that I think is hilarious too. It is. It My is My co-host Father Nathan Goble is the funniest man I know. So he's the one that he makes He reminds me of Seth Rogen. Yep. So, the way he looks, the way he talks, everything. Yep. Yeah. He's, he's the Catholic Seth Rogen. So like <laughs> Seth is like, he's Jewish. So Father Nathan's just the Catholic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's perfect. Makes it perfect. So anyways, okay. Well, um, thanks for listening, and we'll be back with episode two soon.
most important thing is the thing given that's given to us the most. You and I will remember this canonization as a once in a lifetime thing. We were at Mother Teresa's canonization. We were there present, but we received the Eucharist much more often than that. The weekly, daily, whatever it is. And that is the end. That's exactly what Mother Teresa would do. Stop thinking about how important the canonization was and focus on how important it is every single time you approach the Eucharist.